You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my trusty co-host, my service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, which is working dogs and working animals. And today, our special guest is Corey Hudson. And Corey is the Executive Director of Canine Companions for Independence. And as I'm sure most of you know, that's one of the leading assistance dogs organizations in the United States. And Corey also serves on the Assistance Dog International Board of Directors. And he's going to talk to us about Canine Companions for Independence and the Assistance Dogs International and all kinds of other great things. So come right back after these quick messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Buster, you're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition, I guarantee it. Petco, with healthy pets go. Enter the code WORK10, W-O-R-K, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Whether they're big, small, hairy, or whatever, you're going to need gear for your feet. And Kids Foot Locker's got all the great shoes and gear that'll get you in the game. Go to kidsfootlocker.com. Enter the code AFWRK1KF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFWRK2KF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at kidsfootlocker.com. And cover those funky feet. Like your business to reach out and invite in our audience. We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. Is the best, most cost effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website petliferadio.com. Click on sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family keeping them healthy and happy is important pet life radio presents the pet doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian dr bernadine cruz whether you have a dog cat reptile or rabbit you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets the pet doctor on demand every week only on petliferadio.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. 
Today, our guest is Corey Hudson. Hello, Corey. How are you? Hello, Marcy. I'm fine. How are you? Good. Well, we're so thrilled that you could be with us today. and We've got so much to talk about. Let's get started. Yeah. Well, first of all, tell our listeners about Canine Companions for Independence, or CCI, as most of us know it as. Sure. We're a national organization, a nonprofit organization with five training centers across the country. We're here from where I speak in Santa Rosa, California, in San Diego, actually Oceanside is the suburb of San Diego, our southwest region, Orlando, our southeast region in Florida, Long Island, New York, Columbus, Ohio, our north central or midwest region, and then a satellite office in Chicago and a satellite office in Colorado Springs. Wow, and you guys are by far the largest organization, right? Well, we train quite a few dogs. In the last two years, we've exceeded our our goals each year, and we're up to about 243 teams a year. Wow, that's awesome. And how long have you been with CCI, Corey? 20 years, uh, turning, uh, rounding the turn, I guess, uh, 21 in a couple of months. Wow, that is impressive. That's wonderful. And then you're also really active with ADI, or Assistance Dogs International. Tell us about that organization. Sure. I'm the, uh, on the board, as you indicated, of uh, the secretary of the international board. And a couple of years ago, ADI split, if you will, or sort of regionalized. So there are several regions of the larger Assistance Dogs International. I'm the president of ADI, or Assistance Dogs International, North America. That encompasses the United States, of course, and Canada. And then there is an ADI, otherwise known as ADEU, Europe. And then there's one in a group in Asia. There's one in, in Australia, New Zealand, and hopefully soon in South America, et cetera. So a total of 156 roughly members around the world, and the North American group is approximately 84, 85. Wow. And, and tell us about that membership. Who belongs to it? What's the criteria to become a member? And what's the benefits of being a member? The criterion is to be a nonprofit organization that trains and places dogs with people with disabilities. Uh, within that definition, there's a pretty broad spectrum of people using different models. Uh, top dog in Arizona trains dogs, people's, I should say people's own dogs uh, very locally and does it for a continuous period of time for about six months. Uh, that's one end of the spectrum. I suppose you might say that uh, CCI and other organizations that have a similar model that we do, we, we breed all of our dogs and they, we have puppy raisers. We have over close to a thousand puppy raisers that train and raise dogs for the first 13 months of their life. And then they are turned into advanced training for six months. And then they go into graduation and on our parallel track with the people who are on our waiting list to uh, team training and two weeks of team training. And they, the two graduate as a, a working pair. So that's sort of the spectrum. Uh, there are dogs that uh, alert to seizures. There are dogs that are alerting to diabetic conditions. Uh, there are dogs that are used with children with autism. Uh, there's a whole wide spectrum. Yeah. And so ADI offers accreditation to these organizations? Correct. As of this year, January 1, we've been working on this for several years, of course, but if you are not accredited by ADI, you are not eligible to be a member. So our membership status is Full member and candidate member. If you are not accredited, you are a candidate member. So despite the fact that for several years many organizations were voting members, but when we initiated and gave, I think it's five years, uh, minimum five years, 
warning and warm-up period, if you will, to become accredited. Any organization past that date that did not become accredited is no longer a member, is no longer eligible to say they are a member. They may say that they are a candidate and working towards being a member, but they can't use the ADI logo and they can't uh, advertise that uh, that they are an ADI member. And do they have to get a site visit, or what do they have to do, Corey, in order to get that accreditation? And how long is it good for once they get it? The accreditation is five years. It's good for five years, and the process is uh, making application and submitting all of the documentation of the compliance with local laws, the various uh, expectations, the standards are, are rather diverse, and Sending that to ADI, it is checked and reviewed beforehand so that a surveyor does not go out and uh, waste their time, so to speak, if the people are not prepared. But some of that backup paperwork proves that they've actually gone through the effort to make sure every um, all, the, all the basics are included. And then there's an on-site visit. Sometimes that's a day. Sometimes it's two days. Uh, sometimes it's one surveyor or assessor, and sometimes it's two. We do training for our our assessors coming up, we have a stable of about 12 to 13 people in the United States that do this that are from organizations that have already been accredited and they have been trained in the survey process. And like any other accreditation process, they return to give their recommendation to the board and the board awards the accreditation if, in fact, they have passed and as I just indicated, it's for five years. Oh, that's great. I know when people ask me how do they find a service dog organization, that's one of the things I tell them is to look at organizations that are members of ADI or that are ADI accredited so that they will know that they at least, you know, meet a certain level of of criteria. So I was curious about that and, and how long that process was good for. In five years, that's a nice length of time that that accreditation is is available. Yeah, it's a, it's a reasonable compromise between having somebody survey you every week or every month or every year or whatever right. and, and being reasonable <laughs> in terms of coming out. There is a between year one and being accredited and year five, I might add that there is a process where each organization must testify or sign a, a, a an agreement that says they are, in fact, still complying with the the expectations of the accreditation process and that they believe they are accreditation ready and whatever. And does ADI provide training for these organizations? I, you have a conference. Is that an annual event that, that ADI holds? Yes, and we do at the conferences. We do have sessions for training and introducing ADI accreditation process to those who might be a little bit wary that it may be too much. We have, when I mentioned that spectrum, of wide spectrum of people that fall within the ADI umbrella, there are some that are more mom and pop and one or two employees or maybe one or two volunteers, all the way to uh, organizations like CCI that uh, have 150 employees. So it's a, it's a, it's a process that uh, has to be taken into consideration in that regard. Yeah, I know. There have been so many mom-and-pop organizations that, that seem to be cropping up, especially with all of the, the media attention around veterans and veterans getting assistance dogs for post-traumatic stress and, and for other assistance. So it seems like all of a sudden there are all these different trainers out there that are claiming that they train assistance dogs. But then when, when I start looking into them, I can see that they're not a member of ADI, which always, again, makes my eyebrows raise that they're not a part of this, this larger organization. Yeah, we think that's important. As a matter of fact, uh, the Veterans Administration that is 
handling a lot of the a lot of the, the uh, benefits, if you will, and uh, having a lot of discussion with ADI now makes it a requirement that you be accredited before they want to deal ADI accredited. Although they must generally say just accredited, there's no other organization at the moment. Although we would welcome anybody that uh, would do the similar things that we do. Uh, the province of uh, Canada, Alberta, uh, makes it a requirement in terms of accreditation. And there are several states that are talking about requiring that as a basis. So that gets a little tricky and technical, but we think that that's the badge that people ought to look for in regard to meeting just some minimum standards that make sure that they've been scrutinized and are not somebody that might just throw up a shingle and say, I know how to train dogs for this particular purpose because uh, dogs and people seem so simple, but it is, frankly, quite a complicated uh, operation. It is. It is. And I know I, I've heard from people that have had bad experiences that have, you know, paid someone to train their dog and thinking that they had the knowledge and expertise to do that. But you made such a good point. It's, it's very complicated and a very long process. And there does definitely needs to be some guidelines and some expectations. And ADI really seems to, to provide for that and to really give that structure that's really needed. Well, the uniqueness, in my opinion, that I'd like to talk about to people who are not familiar with the field, to the public perhaps, that uh, training dogs is one thing, and uh, there's a lot of people who do that. That that does take a great deal of expertise and a lot of experience, but training at the same time and teaching people with disabilities or anybody uh, to bring those two entities together takes a quite a unique, uh, quite unique individuals to, to be able to do that. It's they're, they're not counterintuitive, but they're not necessarily the same thing. And you put the two together, you need to, I believe, see a lot of dogs and a lot of people, a lot of graduates before you consider yourself a qualified person. My analogy is using a baseball analogy that you need to see a lot of pitches before you consider yourself somebody who's going to be qualified enough to put a dog in somebody's hands that's going to make them more independent as opposed to more dependent. Yeah, well, I think that's a great point. It's very complex. I'm just in awe. You know, people will ask me, did you train your dog? And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I am not a trainer, but they trained me in how to work with my dog. And that's such a big part of, of being a successful team is really, you're right, having that knowledge of how to work with the dog and then how to work with the human partner is very different and takes, I'm sure, very different skills. And, and it's work. I remember when I when I got my first dog, I was told the dogs are not robots. And boy, was that the best piece of of advice because it's not. It is such a give and take and and a developmental role and partnership that you have together. And so I think that's that's a huge point that people who aren't familiar with working teams, you know, they really don't understand how much work goes into that and throughout the whole relationship, how you continually work on that together. It's pretty complex. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that uh, dogs are not robots is, is underscored. It says it very well. They're trained, highly trained, and they're probably <laughs> robot looking when they're instructor, when they just come off the finish line, if you will, and, and are ready to go. But, uh, they need just like uh, anything you need to practice if you're you know, a piano player or, or a, a musician or whatever and you lose your skills and that team aspect of, of, of going through the exercises of just the routine obedience and whatever and keeping the dog 
in that position that you want it as a working dog as opposed to just the one or two skills that you might use, I think is most important. We, we advise that people every day do one or two of the commands and, or on a weekly basis or whatever basis, but do, get into a routine of actually continuing the dog training because, as we all know, dogs, uh, if they don't have an alpha, they'll, they'll appoint themselves and then, uh, then things can uh, unravel to a certain extent because uh, they're looking for leadership, they're looking for somebody who wants to manage them and protect them and uh, treat them well and feed them and be their alpha, and uh, we think that's really important. Yeah, that is so true. And I, I know dogs are very opportunistic. I mean, uh, they really are, like like people in a lot of ways. But you're so right. I know I have to to practice with Whistle. I can't take for granted that he's always going to know those things if I'm not working him and making sure that we're staying current on those skills. It's like anything. You'll get you'll get rusty, and then you'll be in trouble before you know it. So that that's great, great information and, and advice and very realistic. I think that, Marcy, that's maybe one point that we ought to point out in regard to a, a good service dog organization that consumers might look for is uh, is their follow-up. Is there, does the organization care about the relationship and the lasting 10, 12, 14-year-plus, uh, hopefully, relationship of the, the dog handler and the, and the dog? Is there Are they there to answer questions? Are they there to follow up and to give assistance? Is the dog perhaps you know startled barking when somebody knocks on the door and it's now become a nuisance as opposed to uh, in that one particular aspect of can they call, can they come into the organization, will somebody go out to help, uh, is there aftercare, quote-unquote, so to speak. And uh, I would look for that as opposed to somebody who just places a dog and uh, says, goodbye, we'll see you later. Absolutely. Those are great points. And I know I have people always contacting me, asking me how to select an agency. And that's great advice on different questions that you want to think about at the beginning of the process instead of when you have a dog and you're having issues. You really want to know what those policies are and talk with other graduates, too. I know that really helped me a lot to see working dog teams that were out in the field that had been together for a while and just like you said, Corey, of how the agency was following up with them, continuing to monitor them, recertify them or whatever process that organization goes through to make sure that that connection is still there because it's really like family. That's one of the also the the perks, the other perks that I tell people about having an assistance dog is I also get the relationship with the puppy raiser. And I know not everybody gets that. But for me personally, I've had three wonderful puppy raisers that I've had the joy of getting to know and considering as part of my family and the trainers that I've met over the years and have worked with. And it really is an ongoing relationship of more than just you and your canine, but also all these other people that contributed to that animal and continue to contribute so that you can be an effective working team. Absolutely. You you do join a family, so to speak, or at least uh, people want to be more formal in an organization, whether you like it or not. uh, (laughs) And speaking for CCI, we will make sure that we have a relationship with you. And we brought the dog into the world, and we want to make sure it's well taken care of. And you just mentioned puppy raisers. Their their dedication is renowned in regard to, to doing the yeoman the, all the all the hard heavy lifting, if you will, in terms of obedience and and the feeding premium dog food, taking the dog to obedience class, having taking the dog to work, uh, making sure that it's treated as a as a future uh, working working assistance dog, and uh, that relationship is really important. 
it is. I just have the utmost respect for the puppy raisers because what they do and contribute, I, I just hope that they can have a little glimpse into how much of an impact they have on people with disabilities and their their lives. I mean, I just I just can't say enough for puppy raisers for that they can raise these wonderful little balls of fur and that they can can let them go into the world so that they can have that impact. It's just the most beautiful beautiful thing and I had the pleasure of being at a CCI graduation and I just love the way that CCI does that graduation and how you have the puppy raisers be such a big part of that. It is such a beautiful, beautiful sight to experience. Well, it's, I think it's the ultimate in giving back. Many people say they couldn't do it and I agree many people can't do it um, because of attachment but our puppy raisers, some of which do it one, one time, two times, three times, some have done it 30 times and uh, there's a lot in between, 15, 17, and whatever. And they are a unique breed, to, to, to use a pun. They uh, they just uh, <laughs> do something for the, for the sake of others and give pretty much, it's like giving up your child, your ultimate yeah. sacrifice. And the um, if, you just, if you just lived in that little world of uh, assistance dog puppy raisers, uh, it's sort of like a bubble. If you didn't read the paper, if you didn't uh, look at the news, you'd think it was a pretty nice world. Uh, because you're just surrounded by people who are only doing something for the benefit of others. Yeah, yeah, it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It, it's really, it's awe-inspiring. It really is. I think it is anyway. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and continue talking with Corey because we have a lot more questions and a lot more things to discuss. So come right back after these quick messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash work, W-O-R-K, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. There's a movement afoot, ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code WORKING, W-O-R-K-I-N-G, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. For her. Enter the code WORK10, W-O-R-K, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. 
Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win with Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and win with dogs. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're visiting today with Corey Hudson, the Executive Director of Canine Companions for Independence and also a board member of Assistance Dogs International. And I wanted to ask you, Corey, to tell us about the current programs or goals of ADI. What are you guys working on right now? Well, we've uh, launched, for one thing, an initiative to try and assist or make aware disabled veterans who are coming back from these horrendous conflicts with polytraumas in terms of the injuries that IEDs sustained in the 30 years ago during Vietnam, the, the casualties uh, that we're seeing now would not have made it this far, but we're seeing people with you know, amputees and just horrendous injuries. And uh, ADI has made a, an initiative to try and get the VA interested in uh, giving benefits to the veterans. We have achieved uh, the fact uh, in, in the concert with the VA that a veteran is now eligible if they graduate from an ADI accredited organization, I might add, for veterinary visits and veterinary medication and uh, for backpack or incidentals in the sense of a a guide dog because when we say assistance dogs, that means guide dogs, service dogs, hearing dogs, et cetera. Uh, So those two benefits, we're working hard to hopefully make it possible for the veteran, disabled veteran who becomes a dog handler, assistance dog handler to gain the benefit of travel reimbursement to and from the training and for instances where there is, although some organizations like CCI have dormitories at their facilities, uh, but many have to be put up in in a hotel and that can uh, amount to thousands of dollars in cost. So we're hoping that the VA will, will come forward with that. In addition, there are several ADI organizations that are looking forward to the VA treating an assistance dog, although it's a living, furry, wonderful thing, but treating it similarly to any other assistive device, a prosthesis, uh, a wheelchair, any other device that enhances and ameliorates uh, the possibility or the, the disability, that an assistance dog would be, uh, assistance dog organization, excuse me, would be reimbursed for placing dogs with veterans. So we're, we're looking forward to that. We've been working with the VA for uh, close to three years. It'll be three years in July and uh, working with the Congress to initiate laws that would make that possible. We believe all the laws that are needed are on the books, and now it's a matter of the VA implementing those, uh, those laws that make it possible for all the things I just described. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. That's so wonderful. And I, one of my other questions I wanted to ask you was about ADI's involvement with laws and legislation, because I know that that's something that you guys are definitely the leaders. And can you tell us about that? And what was your role with the new definition change for assistance oh, dogs? Yes. We, uh, along with uh, several other organizations, uh, meaning uh, ADI and uh, Gadui and um, other organizations joined or created an organization back in February 1990, if I recall correctly, because it was a very cold day in Columbus, Ohio. It will always stick <laughs> in my mind. Uh, we created an organization called Cato, and uh, quite frankly, was uh, the consumers that I give credit to, members of IADP and the Gadui, that uh, took the impetus and invited uh, guide dog organizations and, and uh, assistance dog organizations to meet in Columbus and start working on lobbying with the Department of Justice to modify the Americans with Disabilities Act so that it wasn't so broad and that it had more specific uh, definitions, and namely the definitions which finally after 10 years and I think four or five visits, if I were counting to uh, the Department of Justice in D.C., things grind slowly here, but finally after 10 years, the definition with the new regulations is that I think you can safely say that 99% of the definition of an assistance animal is a dog. There is a footnote in the most recent regulations that uh, talks about uh, miniature horses and making accommodations, but uh, the overall riding thing is I think you can safely say now as opposed to assistance animals with the federal guidelines, you can say assistance dogs with that footnote I just mentioned about miniature horses. In addition, it clarifies what is an assistance dog and it rules out dogs for protection and it rules in dogs that must be doing a task some physical aspect that you can observe behaviorally that a dog might do. It is no longer, nor was it ever, in our opinion, um, an assistance dog was a dog that just made you feel better and made you feel more comfortable. I think we all feel that way about our animals and our dogs in particular, having them by our side and having them as companions through our lives. Uh, but that is not, that's no longer qualifies uh, as part of the definition of an assistance dog. It's the dog must be doing something. So opening doors, turning off light switches, pulling wheelchairs, et cetera, doing physical tasks, retrieving objects off the, off the ground. But uh, for people who are using a dog for emotional aspect or a psychological uh, aspect, the dog still must be doing a task. So going and getting medication, doing something physical as opposed to merely making one feel more comfortable. Yeah, I know that is always such an issue. I, I have to say I was out at a restaurant over the weekend and I had the restaurant manager was talking to me about a dog that comes in regularly with its partner to the restaurant and, and what a problem it is. And they were commenting on how, how well-behaved Whistle was and they were sharing with me their, their really negative experience. And, and it's so difficult for people that they jeopardize that access for other people when they bring in dogs that are not trained, as you said, to do some type of physical task and that are just for emotional support. I know, and I know it's important to have that emotional support, but there's got to be the expectations and the training and that appropriate public behavior. And it gets right back to what we've been talking about, about dogs being trained by an ADI accredited organization and having those expectations of what is appropriate for public access. And I, I just, 
you know, I, I really, I hate to see that when people take advantage of that and jeopardize it for other people. Well, that's one of the functions of ADI. We get a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but a reasonable amount of complaints in that regard, and I think you're correct. I think these uh, the people who are violating what I call the spirit, if not the letter of the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, by doing this kind of behavior are, are jeopardizing the, the right that all the other people who have legitimately trained dogs, and that's not to say that one can't have a privately trained dog or a dog, self-trained dog, that, that could live up to those standards. In fact, the ADA does not rule that out and uh, doesn't doesn't mention it. Just just uh, alludes to that a dog has to be properly trained and uh, and, and not a a, a nuisance uh, in the restaurant, not growling, barking, you know, urinating, whatever, doing all the things that a, a dog might, an unruly dog might do. So we think that's most important. But we do leave that window open to agree that uh, some people can train their dogs. I think it's uh, the exception. And I think you're far better off by going to somebody who does that professionally or an organization that's been doing it for years, but um, it still can be done, I suppose, uh, yeah. in that manner. It's, yeah, it definitely can be done. I mean, I, I have some some colleagues that I'm amazed at the job they've done in training their dogs. For me, I'm not a dog trainer, so it definitely I needed an organization. But, yeah, I think you're right. But, again, it gets back to those public access, that appropriate etiquette in public that's just so important that we have those expectations and standards for safety and for for all the other things that you outlined that, that could happen. And that's certainly what was happening, evidently, at this restaurant that I went to this weekend. So it is an issue. It's not as much as it used to be, but I think it's still a, a huge issue for, for the public, you know, that especially business owners and people that are serving the public and experiencing assistance dogs, you know, they're not really sure. They're not sure what the law is and when they can ask someone to leave if they have a dog that's acting and behaving unruly. You know, I, I know I get that question all the time from people. Yeah, well, it's and it's complicated and and it's a very touchy subject. And the ADA says no, you cannot ask somebody about their disability. Uh, so it's you have to have to be cautious and walk a line. And and uh, I think you're absolutely right. It's uh, for the average restaurateur or hotel staff on the in the evening shift or whatever or the night shift. Uh, it's a challenge to uh, to to make that possible. By the way, speaking of uh, hotels, it reminds me to let you know that some of the you asked some some of the functions of of ADI, uh, in partnership with CCI and ADI, we created in, in a partnership with the California Hotel and Motel Association. We created a two videos: one for restaurateurs and hotel managers uh, to recognize exactly what we're talking about: what is a, an assistance dog and what to, what is the proper etiquette in terms of of access, and then one for responding uh, peace officers to any issues that come up. We did that about probably six, seven years ago through, again, the offices of a great volunteer in person, uh, uh, Norm Abramson, who works for the California Hotel and Lodging Association. And uh, it's now six, seven years old. And you pointed out and asked me questions about the most recent revision of the law. We're going back and taking a look at that video. And one of our subcommittees is working on, on uh, revising that and hopefully editing it up to the new standards and whatever. We were able to get a $50,000 grant through, again, uh, California Hotel and Motel Association. So been widely distributed to hotels and motels across the country, and it's still available for anybody who wants to uh, contact ADI. We can send it to you. It's basically uh, two videos in one, and oh, it's very helpful. Oh, that's wonderful. 
That's, that's, that's wonderful. The, in addition, we publish, I, I'm just thinking of the things that you might be interested in, your listeners might be interested in. We publish a, a guide to assistance dog laws. This has been in existence for probably 15, 17 years, but it was updated three or four years ago to include all the state laws and, of course, the overriding um, America's with Disabilities Act, which supersedes all the state laws. But when, in fact, state laws are more generous, as some uh, mentioned, puppy raisers and access, et cetera, um, this is a good, handy little book to have if you are an assistance dog user. It's a very about the size of a 3 by 5 card and easily put in your backpack and handy if, uh, in fact, you are challenged about your access. You are able to just merely pull this book out. And it looks very official, which it is, and uh, references with all the citations and whatever the, the local or the state law and the Americans with Disabilities law, which makes it helpful for people not to have to be standing out in the cold while some restaurateur decides that it's not their it's their right to deny somebody access. Yeah, I love that guide. I keep it in my purse all the time. It's wonderful. And tell me, Corey, how can people get a copy of the DVDs and the guide? How could they get in touch with ADI to get that? And is there a cost involved for either one? Yes, and I'm sorry, I'm remiss. I'm not. I don't remember exactly what we're charging for the. The guide to assistance dog laws. It's but if you go up to the assistance dogs international website, it's on there. I think it's seven dollars. I'm, I'm remiss. Uh, we have somebody who handles it, and I just don't remember. Um, so it's uh, you know www. I don't think www anymore, but just adi.org, and uh, you can find all those things on our website. Okay, awesome. And there's no um, charge for the uh, Hotel California Hotel and Motel uh, assistance animals. So again, again, remember. That was in the days when it was assistance animals. Um, welcome uh, video sets that I mentioned. Okay, great. Well, that is wonderful. I mean, I know that a lot of people would like to get that information, and that's awesome that those DVDs are free. That's great. You had and mentioned, we, by the by the way, ahead, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I don't think I answered your question about training and uh, conferences. Uh, we have a conference every year. It's sort of bifurcated in the sense that there's a the international organization has a conference one year and the next year is the the regional responsibility to have a conference so north america had one last year in in uh, june in toronto and this year it's the international um, that will probably be delayed and, and go into 2012 and they're looking at uh, i should say we're looking at uh, barcelona or madrid or coming back to north america so we're not quite sure yet but that's where a great deal of collaboration and training and anybody who's interested in Starting out in the field and doing it right, hopefully, would uh, come and learn quite a bit, uh, participate in some of the uh, the uh, activities, and uh, learn from, well, probably close to, I would think, several hundred years of experience in terms of the people who gather in those kind of conferences. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, I know another question I wanted to ask you, and this is a question that I get a lot from our listeners, and that is, what would you recommend, Corey, for someone who wants to become a trainer of assistance dogs? What would you recommend for them? I would, uh, it depends on your mobility. I I would, uh, quite frankly, associate yourself with an existing organization, either as a puppy raiser or as an apprentice, and learn slowly through the ranks. I don't think it's something you just throw out a shingle on your front door and say you are doing with any expertise because you need to see, as I said, lots of pitches, train lots of dogs, and 
more importantly, have lots of experience with people with disabilities, which is just such a broad category. Uh, CCI, for one, one year, we did actually a tally on all the different disability categories that we served in syndromes and whatever, and it came up to be 30-plus different, different categories. And you just don't learn that overnight, and you really need to have some experience, and I think you need to be apprenticed and tutored in it when, from people who have been doing it for some length of time that can pass on the benefit of their knowledge, of their institutional memory, if you will, that when you see this behavior or when you see this uh, expectation from somebody, and is it realistic, and when when you might uh, release a dog, because as we, what we haven't talked about is in most cases for ADI organizations, the uh, it's the most important to place the highest quality dog. So speaking for CCI, only 35, 40%. We've been up at 44, 45% of the dogs that come through our training system make it to graduation. So we only expect to place the best of the best. Those dogs that don't make it are released back to their puppy raiser if the puppy raiser is, uh, is willing and wanting to have it back. If it's one of our people who's done this 25 times, and it is a location for them, and they're going to do it again, you can imagine that they're probably not interested in having you know, six, seven dogs. Uh, they normally have two or three, but uh, then we release that dog to somebody who is interested in having a highly trained dog, or it's released to a, a law enforcement agency, drug sniffing, um, parks, and, parks and recreation patrol, all sorts of different uh, places where it might work. We release dogs to... Uh, Dogs for diabetics here in, in Northern California, et cetera. Yeah, I know there are so many facets to this process as, as you're touching on today that people don't think about and all of those different things that if this happens or if this doesn't happen, then, then what, how do you handle that as an organization? And, and I know our time is running out, but I really want to ask you, Corey, how do people, if they want to contact CCI, how can they apply for a dog and what kind of dog what kind of things could a dog do for them that CCI trains? Okay. Well, let's do the application first. Uh, on our website, there is a, there's a, a section that you click on for making, app, making a request for an application. We would want to know what your needs are. Uh, CCI's approach is how may we meet your needs? What do you, what do you want a dog to do? Hopefully that those needs are realistic. If you think the dog's going to you know, wake you up in the morning and have breakfast already ready for you <laughs> and drive the car or something you know, crazy or, or watch over your child on the front lawn you know, as speeding cars go by, those kind of things are unrealistic. But if it's to assist you in those physical aspects in terms of opening doors, as I said, pulling the wheelchair, picking up dropped objects, that's our number one for I think almost every assistance dog handler the one command that they use most often, none of us who are quote-unquote able-bodied really realize how many times you drop things during the day and that you need, unfortunately, the assistance and are dependent upon others. So we would like to hear what you what your needs are, and it's a rather extensive process. And when I mention those physical aspects, it's not to not to deny it because we believe it's a, it depends on which relationship, but everybody who, who enjoys and graduates with a CCI dog uh, enjoys the aspect, the social increased interaction. We have people who have said, you know, I used to be, for a child, this is one of our most famous uh, quotes, I used to be a kid in a wheelchair that nobody used to look at, and now I'm a kid with a cool dog. The interaction and the the sort of return to uh, the mainstream, if you will, of social interaction is amazing. Most of our graduates will say, 
I cannot uh, go to the Seven Eleven without interacting with five <laughs> people with my dog. So perhaps Not I should, perhaps. you know, leave him home. Well, no, what you, you know, you're going to get that. I know. So anyway, making applications through the website and mostly physical aspects is what we specialize in. We don't specialize necessarily in emotional support dogs. Uh, we will do that as a secondary condition, but uh, that's pretty much uh, our our mo. And then do you do a site visit to people that apply to determine if they're eligible? Do you do it by phone? What's the next step once they submit an application? We do do a phone interview and then we do an in-person interview and preferably we do it at the, at the site, uh, at the training site of one of our five training centers across the country. And we have days, uh, special days for interview days and people come. We expose them to a dog and see their reaction and, you know, is it, is it hopefully Nobody's frightened of dogs and whatever. Are they? Do they seem to be uh, uh, natural handlers? And again, sort of that in-person interview better defines uh, the aspects, the, the expectations that they want a dog to uh, to go through. We explain some of our expectations that uh, you know. Again, we're we brought the dog into the world, and we're going to make sure it's well taken care of. That we have certain expectations that the dog be on leash all the time. That it uh, be fed the best premium quality dog food that it uh, be, of course, an inside dog and that its highly skilled aspects be utilized and it not just become a pet dog for somebody's uh, child. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but these are highly trained dogs that uh, should be utilized for what they were for what they were bred and trained for. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I mean, they are fine-tuned creatures. I mean, I, I look at mine as like the like an Olympic athlete, really. I mean, and, and you're right. You have to really make sure that, that you're respecting that and honoring that by feeding it and taking care of it and maintaining it to keep, to keep in that same condition, which is so important and quite the ongoing process. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that is just so exciting. I, I just can't thank you enough. I can't believe our time is up already, and I hope you'll come back, Corey, and talk with us about other things at CCI and at ADI, because you are so active in, in both of these organizations, and, and it's so important to to share this information with our listeners, with people who are part of a working dog team, or people who might be interested in getting a dog one of these days, because it, it is such a huge decision, and, and it's so wonderful to share this information with everyone, and then all, all other people are interested in this relationship and how it works. So thank you so much for sharing this with all of our listeners, and we really appreciate your time and your commitment to this field. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you, our listeners, for being with us. And please keep those emails coming. We love to hear from you. And you can reach me. Um, you know that email address. It is Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. And I will also make sure and put up the email addresses that we talked about today, which for Canine Companions for Independence is cci.org. That's O-R-G. And for Assistance Dogs International, that was adi.org. But we'll be sure and have those up on the website as well. So thank you so much for being with us. And you all take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.